0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good Friday. It could be argued that today is the most significant day for two and a half or so billion people across the world who identify with the Christian faith in some way. It could be argued that today points to the most significant day in all of human history, and even in all of eternity. Across the world today, in every time zone, from nation to nation upon nation, people will reflect on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. What is it about this undeniable historical event that to this day shapes our world to that extent? Is it more than just a religious festival in the Christian calendar to to be observed once a year? Was it more than just a good man being tragically crucified along with many others. What actually happened there, that first Good Friday? And how can we know? I mean, it's centuries ago, isn't it? And people have all sorts of ideas about it, any number of theories about it. Is it even possible, centuries later, for us to get clarity and certainty about what took place that Good Friday that is so worth people gathering and celebrating up until this very day. Well, the good news is this. We can get clarity about it. And we can because we have eyewitness accounts. And we've read some of those already this morning. In the Gospels. And you know, if you uh, hear about an event and you want to find out the detail, one of the things that you might do is look for an eyewitness. You might look for someone who was there. And then once you find them, you might say to them and ask them certain questions like, Did you see it? Did you see what happened? What did you notice? What actually took place? Fill us in on the detail. So for a few minutes, We're going to ask some questions this morning of the Apostle Peter. A man who describes himself as an eyewitness of the sufferings of Christ. We're going to ask the what, the who and the why of Good Friday. And we're going to let Peter answer those questions for us. And we're going to do that from one verse for a few minutes. From his letter... in the New Testament, to persecuted and scattered Christians. And here's the verse. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Let me read that again. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So let's ask firstly the what question. What happened that Good Friday? And the Apostle Peter is really clear about it, isn't he? We don't have to guess, we don't have to wonder. He doesn't leave us in the dark on this question. He tells us straight up. Look again, and I've highlighted it for us so that we can see it clearly. He says, for Christ suffered for sins. For Christ suffered for sins. And it's important to know that when Peter says those words, they are jam-packed with meaning for him. And so we need to break it down just a little bit. Firstly, he says, for Christ. You need to stop there for a second. What does he mean when he says that? Well, he means this, for the promised Messiah, for the one who was promised for centuries, for the one that the whole Old Testament was pointing to, for him, the long-awaited, anointed king, for Christ. The one, if you read some of the other eyewitnesses' account, like Matthew, for example, you will discover This Christ, who is Emmanuel, God with us, God the Son, the Son of God, for Christ, Peter says. Secondly, he goes on to say, For Christ suffered, as great as he is, as glorious as he is, God with us, he suffered which is clearly referring to his death and in particular his death by crucifixion. In fact, some translations say put it this way for Christ died once for sin. Now again, something important for us to understand, crucifixion was not uncommon but was actually very common in the day. It was the go-to for the Romans to deal with those who offended against the Roman Empire. Uh, they would crucify offenders, in fact, uh, you know, loving very nicely along the roads, kind of like billboards. Uh, if you drove here this morning from the Kelmscott direction, you would have no, no doubt come down Albany Highway. On either side of the road on Albany Highway, there are billboards that have different messages. Advertising different things. Well, in Jesus' day, the Romans crucified people and put them along the roads like billboards. And the message was fairly clear, right? Mess with the Roman authorities and that's where you're going to end up. So crucifixion was quite common. But this crucifixion was anything but Anything but common. For Christ suffered once for sins. The Messiah, God with us, God the Son, he suffered. And so, friends, that Good Friday, there is a lot more going on than we, we might initially think that, that initially comes to the eye. Notice Peter goes on to say he suffered once for sins. And having seen what we've seen already, clearly the sins therefore are not his. They're not his. He doesn't have any. They're the sins of others. And notice Peter says it was once for sins. In other words, it was enough. For sins. It was sufficient for sins, this suffering of Jesus on the cross for us. It's quite staggering that Peter would say that because Peter's a Jew and he knows how the sacrificial system works. He knows that regularly you brought your sacrifice to the temple to have it offered up by the priest for your sins. It might have been your spotless lamb or your dove or whatever particular sacrifice you need to offer for that particular type of sin. And you did it often and regularly. And even as you went on the way home, you knew it wouldn't be too long before you'd be back here again, doing it again, because you knew that maybe even before you got home, you would commit another sin that was worthy of and requiring another sacrifice. And so when Peter says, Christ suffered for sins, once, what's he saying? He's saying it's enough. Hebrews picks up this idea in chapter 10, verse 11 to 12. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single Sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. What are you normally doing when you're sitting down at the end of a task? You're sitting down because you've finished. In other words, what Peter's describing here is what we often call full atonement, not partial. But complete. In the death of Jesus, the price for sins, yours and mine, get this, is paid in full once for sins. And so what's clear in terms of Good Friday and what happened there is this. Jesus is not suffering or atoning for some kind of offence of his towards the Romans or anyone else for that matter. He is suffering and atoning fully for every kind of offence of ours towards God. This is the what of Good Friday. This is what happened there. Which leads us to the second thing we see here and that is the who. Who is it for? Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Who's it for? For the unrighteous. I hope that's an encouragement to you. Because Jesus is clearly the only righteous one who ever lived. Uh, another apostle in the letter to the Romans says this about the question of our righteousness. Quoting the Old Testament, where it talks about God looking down from heaven, he says there is none righteous. No, not one. Not one. According to God's measure, there isn't anyone who is righteous. Does that mean there's no good people around? No. As people, we can be good in one sense or another. But in terms of the righteousness that God requires, in terms of the righteousness that you and I need to be in relationship with God, in terms of the righteousness that you and I need to be able to stand in the glorious and holy presence of God and know him, there's none righteous. No, not one. Except Jesus. That same apostle writes in Romans 6.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. Pretty sure all means all. All without exception. So we, friends, are actually unrighteous. And that's where what Peter says here is so wonderful. When Jesus suffers once for sins, he does so as the righteous one. Or the unrighteous ones. Or to put it another way, the righteous one on behalf of the unrighteous ones. Or in the stead of. Or in the place of. And so this is what many have called the great exchange. Jesus, the righteous one, that first Good Friday, takes Our place. He is the righteous one, but he is the one who faces God's just judgment for our unrighteousness. So wonderfully and graciously and mercifully, he might give his perfect righteousness to us. And so that God may be known as Father by us rather than judge. This is the who of Good Friday. Who is it for? The righteous for the unrighteous. Now, a long, long time ago, I used to go to school. And back in my day, believe it or not, this is almost like you know, almost documentary worthy now, he used to sometimes be sent to the headmaster's office, stand outside the headmaster's office for what seemed like an excruciating length of time in public shame, waiting for I don't know. One, two, four or six canes, depending on the sin that you had committed. And it was, I think, quite effective. I think standing outside the headmaster's office was the most effective. Because you would stand there knowing that the moment of reckoning and judgment is imminently close. You would stand there knowing there is nothing you can do. You have been red-handed. You have no defence. Well, you might have one, but it's probably pretty pathetic. All you can do is wait with a degree of fear and trepidation because someone has to pay for what you've done and that someone is going to be me or you. No one else is going to, right? I mean, people walk past and you might have this moment of, I wonder if they, if they might stand here for me and I can disappear. No. No, no. They're going to look at you with those eyes of kind of pity and keep walking. Friends, without Jesus, we are unrighteous. And waiting the day of judgment. There's nothing we can do. Our sins are clear. We have no defense. Without Jesus, all we can do is wait with fear and trepidation because someone has to pay. Justice has to be served. That's where Good Friday is such good news. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous one for the unrighteous ones. There is someone who saw us standing there waiting that great judgment day and who didn't just walk past with a pitiful look but stepped in for you and for me. This is the who of Good Friday. Who was it for? The righteous for the unrighteous. And lastly, why? Christ also suffered for sins. Once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? That he might bring us to God. How beautiful is that line? That he might bring us to God. i thinking and wondering if there was a God. Maybe you did the same. And then perhaps you might have thought, is it possible to be in relationship with such a God if there is such a God? And yet we see here clearly that, the answer to that question. This was Jesus' whole mission. In suffering once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. This was his end game. This is why he went to the cross. To bring you... And me, people like us, unrighteous ones. To God, the Holy One. Yes, our sins separated us from God. And without Jesus, they will continue to do so and they will do so for eternity. We'll be separated from him forever. As those who are unrighteous, we cannot stand in the presence of God without Jesus, but he suffered once for sins that he might bring all who turn to him and put their trust in him to God. To be in relationship with God, to know God, to enjoy God, to glorify God forever. This is the why of Good Friday bring people like you and me into joyful relationship with God now. As of today, if you turn to him today, he will bring you to God today. And then one day when Jesus returns, into God's glorious presence forever. To bring us to God What happened Christ suffered once for sins Who is it for the righteous one for the unrighteous ones Why to bring us to God to bring us to the Father Now and forever What's so good about Good Friday? I think Peter's answered that question for us, hasn't he? Have you ever wondered why they call it good? Interesting. Words or meanings of words have disappeared as the centuries have gone by. Good then was used in the sense of holy. Good in that sense. Couldn't get much more holy, could it? Son of God doing that for us. But the most in question, most important question for us and for you today is this. Is Good Friday good for you? Is Good Friday good for you personally? Have you embraced by faith, that is by trust in Jesus, what happened there? Have you come to Jesus as someone unrighteous who needs what he, the righteous one, did in your place? Is Good Friday good for you? Has Jesus brought you to God now? As you've turned to him and trusted in him. Are you waiting for him to finally bring you into the very presence of God when he returns? Is Good Friday good for you? If it is, give him thanks this morning. Give him praise this morning. Devote yourself to him afresh this morning. If it's not yet Good Friday for you personally, friends, the good news is that it can be. You turn to him today and put your faith and trust and hope in what he did for you on the cross. Good Friday will be good Friday for you in a completely new and transforming way. May it be good Friday for each and every one of us. Amen.